years of wrongdoing and right-doing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. When I met Simon a few years ago, I really struggled to connect with him. He seemed shy, offish and very soft-spoken. Then I ran into him at a recovery retreat a few weekends ago and he was a confident, warm and assertive person. This is the story of what happened to Simon. This podcast is supported by The First Layer, the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There is also a 24-day step coaching and counselling program available based on The First Layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. Sit back and enjoy. Good afternoon, Simon. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Freddie. And yourself? I'm well, thank you very much. Welcome yeah. to Meet Me in the Field. Yes, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm really feeling quite privileged and honored to be on your show, if Fantastic. I can call it that. <laughs> <laughs> the show. The show must go on. Nick. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for coming through all the way from Cape Town. We had, I had a lovely lunch. I enjoyed my salad. Yeah, it was lovely. Terribly. Yeah. Such a nice spot. Yeah, the, it is lovely. Coffee yeah. as well. Yeah. Simon, now I've known you for what, about four years? Um, yeah, on and off for four years. And then suddenly, a while ago, last weekend, two weekends ago, Two weekends ago when we, we, were we on had the, retreat, yeah. the privilege of spending a retreat together and suddenly Simon was a different person. <laughs> there, there, was a, there was a light and a confidence and everything that goes with that. And I thought to myself, I think there's a story. Yeah. So um, you can tell your story if you, as, as much as you want to. So this is okay. Meet Me in the Field is a podcast about spiritual journeys. And what I've discovered from you that weekend was that there seems to have been a a spiritual awakening, yeah, a spiritual mm. awareness that that happened. Mm. So let's start with your concept of spirituality when you were a child. What the, how did you grow up? Um, yeah, so I grew up with older parents. So my dad was fifty nine when I was born. Um, he was a civil engineer on the railways, and my mother was thirty seven when I was born. My dad came from a quite a staunch Methodist family in England, but he sort of distanced himself, having come from South Af- come to South Africa, he distanced himself from the family, although his one brother was a Methodist minister. But my mother, interestingly, now her her mother left the Anglican Church because she had a stillborn child um, before my mom was born. And the Anglican Church, because of original sin, uh, which I didn't wasn't aware of until I heard the story, would not bury this stillborn child. So my grandmother on my mom's side left the church, having been a, a churchgoer, and um, became agnostic and and didn't go to church. So okay. so my mom uh, having been born after the stillborn child, grew up with without religion or actually thinking, well, this religion was something my mother didn't like. But then when my mom went to university, she, of her own volition, decided to get confirmed 
and baptized in the Anglican Church okay. in in the cathedral in in um, Grahamstown. So, but then of course my mom being a little bit traditional and being older, when she married my father because because his origins were Methodist, I was then grew up in the Methodist church. But my mom was much more, I would say, committed to the church than my father was, okay. although he did do a lot of service being codependent and things like that, <laughs> uh, which is, is, is something that's like a theme in our family, <laughs> um, codependency. Um, so as a youngster, I sort of took on this role, but I... I could never sort of understand why there was this sort of split between a very punitive God that wanted to control and punish us mm. and a more loving God. Yes. And so I migrated towards, well, there must be a more loving God, although I sort of also was fearful of, well, <laughs> getting punished as yeah. well, you know. Um, and then to please my parents, I very much... Both my brother and I went through the process of becoming confirmed in the Methodist Church. So, um, and you know, I think a friend of mine then tried to convert me into the Catholic Church, but that was like just one step too far for me. Okay. <laughs> because I, you know, I, the, you know that is very much more of a power and control situation yeah. as, as I see it. And you know, I'm, I don't want to go into too much detail about. But yeah. we know that there's a lot of issues that mm. around Catholicism yeah. and that it is actually almost a separate type of church to, you know, Protestants. Oh, yeah, yeah. Does it now? I once had a fight with my mother as a <laughs> post-teenager. Yeah. And I said to her, I feel about you and I feel about God. I don't know whether I should fear you or love you. Yeah. And I, I, I couldn't see the two merging into, into an entity. For me, they were two separate things. How can you fear and love the, the same thing? Yeah. That was a, a kind of conundrum for me in church as well. Kind of, mm. it, 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 uh, I found it very difficult to comprehend. So you got confirmed in church, but did, did religion resonate with you? Was it something that you lived? Was it something that you felt? Well, I used to pray, but often... At, I would pray when I needed it. Okay. So if I was writing an exam, so it was out of fear, you know, Freddie. It was like uh, when when I had to fuss bait through something, yeah. you know. Um, so at university or you know through matric, I would pray um, before exams or pray um, around, you know, if there was illness in the family or anything like that. I don't remember ever praying in a more positive way, which was like praying for something or to receive something nice. I don't, don't ever, <laughs> but I'm just more out of fear yeah. and like, um, please let me pass this exam or please let me yeah. get an A for this exam or please don't let this teacher continue to bully me or this pupil to continue to bully me. Yeah. I mean, what I enjoyed about church was the songs. I enjoyed singing. Mm. It was one yeah, uh, art, well. outlet for for, for me in that way. So when I was at university... That was at Rhodes. Right? Yeah, at Rhodes, yeah. So, you know, th there's not that much to do when you're at Rhodes. Uh, it's quite a small town. And I used, I decided to go exploring different churches. Okay. So I went to all churches, including like Seventh-day Adventist. I went to re the Reborn type churches. Um, I went to Baptist, which of okay. course 
I found a little bit too Bible bashing, uh, Presbyterian. Um, so I looked looked at all the different denominations just out of curiosity. Okay. But interestingly, I came back to the Methodist Church because actually Methodism is quite open and liberal in in some ways. And you know, it was also founded in a north northern England where there was a huge alcohol um, abuse issue okay. and uh, um, addiction issue. So Methodists, strictly speaking, are not supposed to drink. And my on my father's side, his aunt, who was a spinster, she was head of the Temperance Society. So uh, that was Aunt Elsie. So she was very revered. And she also was my, my father's secretary at work. So she... But she was seen to sort of run this office with, like, with an iron fist. <laughs> in, uh, she was the original Maggie Thatcher. I <laughs> <laughs> It was sort of like, well, as you said, Freddie, like, and also with my mom, I was thinking I can resonate. Like, because my mom did have a, addiction issues and, and abuse of alcohol and things, was like, I would, she would be very loving. But at other times, she could be very argumentative and mm. very difficult so it was also this love like okay. do i love you do i yeah. and she was also very controlling um out of fear i think for my brother and i that we would grow up as model citizens etc <laughs> so so there was a lot of because coming from from an older sort of quite victorian vibe but you know like you know you respected women you respected um other people, you respected other races, um, sort of liberal values as well. But, you know, um, and that's, I, you know, my mom passed away two months ago. Yeah. And that's what I spoke about at the funeral was, you know, that what I felt she left me, which also helped me through my journey through recovery into in addiction, is that even when I was in active addiction, I had my values. I mean, the insanity of it on my wall in my room. I actually decided to, one day to post the values just to try and remind myself okay. that even though I was like way off the mark in yeah. terms of them, that I needed to try and remi- remind myself of them. So those were an, an anchor for you. Yeah. You now you brought up something really interesting for me that I completely forgot as a teenager. I'll never forget. Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. But I would... I would pray for something, yeah, and then masturbate, oh, and then okay. and then felt such extreme guilt because now I've negated the prayer. Yeah, I truly believed that 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 act of masturbation was a sin, and now because I've done that, now the, the prayer won't come true. Mm. Yeah, what I mean, yeah, is that? it is. And yeah. I also remember as a, as a, as a child how I would go to bed and not wanting to pray. But being so afraid that I'll die during the night and not go to heaven because I didn't pray. And then just pray because I because I, I don't want to go to hell. Yeah. I mean, I think fear in my past, like, and I think if I think of the whole apartheid system, you know, was based around fear. You know, fear of communism, fear of black people, fear yeah. of poverty, fear of uh, everything different. Yeah. To, our, to ourselves. So we're a, we're a generation brought up to fear. Yeah, so yeah. no wonder fear was such a huge issue in my life. I actually never thought about that. That's an interesting interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. So what I hear from you is that, especially in your early, late teens, early 20s, you, you were searching. 
Yeah, you, I you was definitely wanted searching, a spiritual yeah. home. Mm. And did you find it at that stage, or did you find it in the arms of? Yeah, well, I mean, drunken slachtermans. <laughs> just, a, just a little interesting, uh, funny anecdote. Like my the guy who became my partner, um, Reese and I, ended up baking milk tarts in. Can you believe it? Electric frying pan. You know, there's enclosed electric frying pan sure. in our residence <laughs> for the, the ladies at the Methodist church. Oh, really? <laughs> and, and they were like amazed that these two male students could be producing. <laughs> Prize winning South African milk darts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, um, we then, uh, you know, migrated up because a friend of ours became the warden of our our residence so we, we then had access to an oven ah. so we could could do it in, in a more proper way and we, we could produce two milk tarts <laughs> like, double your capacity <laughs> yeah. output doubled in one so, uh, but these uh, old ladies were always very uh, amused and impressed by our <laughs> crust crustless milk tarts so, <laughs> um, so but yeah in terms of spirituality um, yeah it, it was like I was searching, but I didn't really know what I was searching okay. for, other than that I was like, well, looking for, you know, I suppose answers to the big things, like why are we here, what, you know, uh, what does this mean, what does oh it mean, word. you know what I mean? So it's, Why do you do that to yourself? <laughs> exactly, yeah, I mean, crazy. There's a why so, for so, you So now, now I brought it down, you know, um, in recovery much more... I mean, I always believed that somehow I connected to a higher being or God or whatever you like to call it. I used to call it God in those days or the Lord, but uh, because that's what I knew, what I was brought up with. But I was also interested in Buddhism and things like that as well, like, you know, the, the nurturing of the earth and other human beings. But, you know, God touched me through other human beings. That was how... I experienced it in in a role, you know, through people being kind to me, through people saying, giving me nice feedback or giving me a, a gift that was appropriate to me or whatever. You know, that for me was like, well, that's God, you know, working through people. And that somehow, like the spirit of, of Ubuntu, we all exist because of each other. And therefore, there must be some sort of collective consciousness that's... Okay that binds us together but then i couldn't understand what you know well why is there war why is there hatred why is there discrimination and particularly because like apartheid used the church to justify itself you know which was (laughs) also another (laughs) thing you know like (laughs) absolutely so um yeah so 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 there's a lot of was a lot of confusion i suppose it sounds like a very brain process of a cerebral yeah i mean that's i think yeah absolutely yeah i mean it wasn't a lot of connection and and i didn't you know understand really meditation and things like that at that point um so it was very like a transactional prayer almost yeah like i I do if you do do that type of thing thing, if if you then i will and please do this and please keep me safe and um yeah so so it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't an open dialogue, which is what it's more like for me today, and more of an an intuitive feeling process as well of of trying to feel 
what my higher power is wanting for me rather than trying to think what my higher power okay. is wanting for me. No. So am I correct if I say what I'm hearing is that the why fell away? Um, <laughs> the, or, or the why has, yeah, yeah. has moved so, from so, so capitals so to small caps. Capital, yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. And and it's more about, well, um, what it, what does it mean for me and what does it mean for my connection to other people? And what does it mean for my recovery and for keeping me safe in situations where I'm having difficulty? And also the feeling of peace because I, because of suffering from depression and things like that. The feeling of peace that I get now that I know that I'm never alone, that I can always reach out to a higher power and, you know, that higher power will work. I trust that that higher power. So a lot of it is now, you know, trusting that things will work out and being able to let go and not control mm. things. Because, you know, I used to be very, very <laughs> controlling. Um, I'm raising my hand. <laughs> I'm waving. You know, me too, me too, me too. And, and I would be, you know, hugely attached to outcomes, you know, very, what, yeah. what is the outcome? Uh, of things gonna be um, and being unhappy if you don't get your outcome. Yeah, absolutely, and and yeah, I mean, also tied in with that, the fear of if I don't get my outcome, well, then the world's, you know, I, I have no anchor in the world, you know. Yeah. And now I kind of trust that, but you know, it's 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 a, it's a fine balance, but because I mean, I know I've got to take action to do things like like I'm not going to be able to build my business unless I do something yeah. but at the same time I don't want to force that to the extent of like setting huge goals for myself or becoming the next obsession or becoming another yeah. obsession yeah so it's always a difficult one for me as well is yeah. how do I how do I stay committed to what I think is important to me without becoming an obsession, without becoming taking my life out of balance. Yeah, yeah. That kind of very fine balance between taking all the action and turning the end result over type of thing. So, what is high power? Do you know what high power is today? I think for me, higher power is within myself, like trying to connect. Because I, I know, particularly in active addiction and before active addiction, I was very, as you said, very, very cerebral. I was very locked into my head and my thoughts and trying to think myself into or out of situations and trying to almost overcomplicate yeah. the idea of what a higher power is. And so for me within myself, it's about connecting my gut, my heart and my head and trying to get them into alignment in some way so that I can feel myself into what is best for me ah. and feel myself into connecting with other people so that I'm no longer like in, in active addiction because I'm a, a, you know, a sex and love addict. I would like be obsessed with my, you know, the desire for, you know, a younger male, for instance. And then I, I w would do everything to try and control getting that younger male, but not thinking that actually that person is an independent person that has their own needs and their own okay. 
um, things. So, so a lot of it is now also boundaries, understanding where my boundaries, and it's strange to bring boundaries into spirituality, but I think it is because mm. it's about where my boundaries end and another person's begin and understanding that they're an independent individual. And yes, I can experience God through them if there's some sort of connection. Yeah. But equally, it should be coming from them as well. So also thinking about sort of the law of attraction, you know, if I'm not too into this whole secret thing, but, you know, thinking about, well, the energy you put out is what you also draw in. Yeah. And what I realize is that like, when I was in active addiction, I was attracting very toxic individuals yeah. who I thought I was helping and that I was, you know, but I wasn't. It was actually a very toxic So the motive was, was kind so, of So screwed, the motive, you know? yeah. So, so that's the other thing is like asking myself, what is my motivation in this situation? Yeah. And is it a, a pure motive or, or is it... Uh, um, trying to control an outcome or trying to get something because I want it yeah. or I'm addicted to it. Um, so trying to really calm myself down and calm my head down. So I do try and do, you know, five minute guided meditations. I, I find them easier because I do have a very ADD busy mind. Double <laughs> so, hands up from yeah, my so, <laughs> so I don't try and set myself up to sit for half an hour at this stage but i'm trying to build it up you know okay. f from five minutes ten minutes do you use an app for that or yeah so it's, well i just tend to google five minute meditations okay. and then use that but i've been looking at, at apps um there have been some have suggested you, have, to me have you met inside timer yet <laughs> no I, I should have I, a look at that that inside timer again sponsor, yeah. sponsorship please i'm selling you again um, it's a free app, actually, so oh, I'm, not, okay. I'm not really selling them. Yeah. A sponsee introduced me to Inside Timer, and it has truly changed my life. Mm. And I don't know how it's different from other apps, but I just resonate with it, and I've given it to many people, and all every, everybody comes back and said they love it, they use yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll show you after this what, what it looks like, and it's just downloaded. The nice thing is there, you can, you can go and... You remember at the retreat, the guy yes. was talking about meditation as being seen as insight getting insight so i think that's yeah. really weird because i couldn't understand why is this thing called insight, insight timer, timer. Yeah. so you time the time that you allocate to the insight that you're going to have so you can go and select five zero to five minutes and then select um topics okay. in there yeah. or you like me being ocd um i go okay. from top to bottom that, that's how it's supposed to work, work. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, don't, yeah. okay. you, don't, you don't scramble things up and i love it i really really do so what i like what you said you, you, you spoke about the energy that you put out and yeah. the energy you attract. And that is the difference that I saw from you now is the energy that surrounds you is so, so, so different. And I, I can feel an an attraction energy where previously the, the energy was don't get too close. Yeah. Very, was... very, very strange. Mm. And it was really, a, a, we spoke during lunch about flipping the coin. My, yeah, my, yeah. It was really as if you just flipped that coin and said, this doesn't work, I'm going to do it this way. Yeah. I think, you know, because um, I came into recovery four years ago and then I was sort of in and out. So I was still at a level of denial of, and I always thought that I could do it differently. 
could you know do because you're unique different, and yeah. different yeah <laughs> and um yeah and special so <laughs> of course i've got to forget to say that <laughs> so but you know i've realized now that it was all a journey and i learned things and and you know my, um, my active addiction was never the same once i'd been in recovery because i always was aware you know more aware of what i was doing and you know and and i did try and change things but you know i also then cross addicted to other things in, in as that time do. as well yeah, <laughs> as happens these things pop up out of uh, the sand um so this time around what changed for me freddie i think was that i realized that i needed to do this for myself ah. and also my brother was quite hard on me and that he said you know this is like the the last um you know last time that he was going to help me okay and so I think that also helped me because us addicts need tough love. I certainly needed it to to wake up a little bit. And that's what changed. And I remember leaving primary treatment, like giving a little speech saying, you know, everyone in the room needs to learn to love themselves and to take care of themselves. And that this recovery journey is about themselves and their own well-being. And it's about my well-being in the world. Because if if I'm not well in the world then i'm not going to be able to work well Mm. i'm not going to be able to be a good family member i'm not going to be able to have um healthy relationships a good contributing member to society yeah yeah and especially you being in the helping field as well absolutely yeah yeah so you know it's not surprising my coaching business wasn't going anywhere yeah because um i wasn't in the right space you know and, and, and th- thank heavens I wasn't coaching people because probably I would not have been giving a very good aura. <laughs> yeah. um, well, this is all we've got time for today because I know you you need to run. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I really enjoyed this quite short and intense chat. Thanks, Freddie. What I appreciate it. What I'm, what I'm getting out of your, your, your chat and what I'm getting out of you since that retreat is that we can change. Yeah. What we need to do, we need to basically take the situation by the balls, own our responsibility in it, and do what needs to to be done. And that's what I'm getting from you. Yeah, absolutely. And that is really, really excellent. And, you know, I mean, as much as I'm a codependent, I've realized that I need to be selfish in my recovery and that my recovery, I have to set boundaries around it and not allow other people to affect it, which is what I allowed, you know, in active addiction in a big way. My favorite, favorite saying at the moment is, own oxygen mask first we yes, need to make sure that yeah. we're okay before anybody else around us can yeah before we can even try to make sure that anybody else around us absolutely okay. and and especially in the helping field yeah. because we can't help others if we're not in an healthy space ourselves very true awesome oh. simon thank you very thank much you very much enjoy the rest of your afternoon thank you yeah. thanks freddie in short It sounds as if Simon found recovery from addiction, and that is what changed him. He actually celebrated one year clean and sober the week before this recording. It is truly remarkable to see what difference this year has made in Simon's life. Behind the recovery story, I hear another story, and that is one of self-love. Simon has come to realize that he is a worthwhile being, and he deserves to take part in what life has to offer. I just love stories like these. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za, 
or find me on Facebook at www.facebook.com freddy.org.za or on Twitter at at Freddy. Remember that Freddy is always spelled with an IE at the end. I want to thank Simon for his time and for sharing his views with Meet Me in the Field. Thank you for listening to Be Safe. Bye.